Thanks for tuning in to Culture Car ATX. I'm your co-host, Michael Ward Jr., here with Donald Scott II. Our goal at Culture Crawl ATX is to change the world one conversation at a time. We hope you enjoy this episode. In many cases, I would say it's great that we made it to a new year, but, um, but I think because of the challenges that we've been having, I heard someone say that, that this shows how arbitrary the calendar is, right? And I think part of the discussion that we'll have today is, is certainly around um, how we are surviving, how people are, are trying to thrive, but ultimately, you know, we'll have a discussion around mental health and what it means to process uh, our experience, even while the outside world is, is, you know, forcefully trying to make us conform to the belief that nothing's wrong or that something else is more important than ourselves. Um, you know, I, I won't go into too much detail, but, but certainly um, coronavirus and the pandemic and the racial unrest and the political unrest has created this experience where I think just trying to be calm with yourself is really difficult. Um, and then trying to interact with people who are friends who you may not have seen in a while or coworkers who you only see via, uh, you know, on the screen. Um, and then family where we care for them, right? But then uh, some of us have friends who have lost family. Some of us ourselves have lost family. And, uh, and trying to process all of the information itself is becoming even more overwhelming. And, um, and I think that 2021 is going to continue to be a challenge, even if it's not out in the media, but our individual spirits, right, are, are under internal, uh, I'll use the word attack, you know, especially for those who don't have that tool or that skill uh, or the knowledge of the tools and skills to help manage um, the emotions that they are feeling. So I'll, I'll pause uh, or, you know, I'll wrap up the intro from there and let you guys jump in. But, uh, but I think, you know, 20, it, a lot of people thought that 2021 would all of a sudden be this better experience. But I think what we're going to learn is that 2021 will force us to reckon with ourselves and I think hopefully in this in this recording we'll we'll be able to share some ideas, share some feelings and emotion that help people start to think about how they're going to process their year, because uh, because all of the excitement and distraction, right, will go away, and then we'll be left with ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think that's really powerful what you said about. Um, it, it almost seems like an aftermath that we're going to have to be, we're going to have to reckon with. And we, I don't think people are prepared for that. Um, we're looking forward to the day when things turn, you know, go back to normal, quote unquote, or that we establish and get comfortable with a new norm. Um, but there's going to be a big adjustment period. And um, 
it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And, and, and though we're all going through, through it collectively, um, some people are thriving, some people are not. And um, I think there is a baseline that we can get to so that we can make sure our fellow person is, you know, our fellow man is, is, is doing okay in this. Him has been a lot to deal with over the past year, a lot um, globally, not just as an American, but uh, um, for me personally, uh, I could not have, have survived um, 2020 without um, really sound tools to help me cope. Um, for me personally, I, I find comfort in information. Um, you know, uh, even if just information about how emotions affect the body. Um, I've been researching a lot of, on that about how, um, you know, the the psychosomatic, the, you know, the mind and the body connection, how they're so entwined and, you know, not even to get into like the metaphysics and spiritual realm, but the actual biology and the connection, um, even the vagus nerve in your tummy, from your tummy to your brain, um, that has knowing that and helping and, and knowing the uh, breathing exercises you can engage to stimulate that vagus nerve to help you find calm and peace. It's um, definitely something I was skeptical of when I first learned about it, but employing it at really critical, crucial moments when just everything was a big dumpster fire um, really made a difference um, for me. What other tools have you guys been employing to keep your yourself sane? For, for me on my side, as I think through the two main things, I'll say three main things. Uh, one is definitely my spirituality and me connecting with the word through prayer, uh, because that is the number one source of strength for me and all that I do, because everything I do, I don't do for myself, I don't do for my family, I do for GOD, um, and that's with everything. Uh, secondly, it's working out. Uh, I know when I do not work out, when I'm not active, when I'm you know, just you know sluggish around my you know, that just has a negative impact on just, you know, my sanity and how I feel. Uh, because growing up in Miami, I was always outside playing basketball. But then as you get older, the hustle and bustle of life, you know, you're not as active as you used to be. And then you have other responsibilities and priorities. And right now being in the winter, it's cold outside. So it can't even be as active as you want to be because the weather doesn't permit. Uh, so definitely staying work, you know, staying busy or staying, you know, active, I should say, working out at home, uh, still you know, doing, doing everything I need to do from the home gym has really been a, been a blessing. And then the third thing that I'll say is spending time with my wife. Uh, my wife's my best friend. Uh, she is, you know, she, she's my rock. She's my partner. Uh, she's the thing that really, you know, keeps me going. So when I'm here, you know, working, you know, straight, you know, four or five hours and with no break at all, she's like, hey, baby, you know, take a break. You know, she, she's the one who really keeps me from, from not working uh, too much to really try to help as many people as I can because I, I lead a nonprofit. So all the work I do is all connected to the community. Um, so on that note, there's times when I do want to push through, but I know that even though there is so much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There is so much either distractions or 
just injustices or discrepancies that are out in the world that I still need to take care of myself so I can be 100 in order to go out there and accomplish the things I want to do. Because I know that there's a limit to, to what type of output you could have. And based on how you feel, it'll dictate what that quality of output looks like. Uh, so those are the three things from my perspective is God, working out, and my wife. Yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, meditating uh, mm. a decent of, well, shit. I used to not meditate ever. I was like, <laughs> wait, wait, you, you stay still, Donald? What? And now, um, <laughs> and now I, I'm actually, I, I've been meditating enough where I got tired of one meditation and was looking for another mm. um, and was invited to a meditation challenge. And I had been doing pretty well for these first couple of days, but then um, I missed it this morning. So at the end of this, I'm going to try and get my meditation in so that I can ensure that that my streak isn't broken <clears throat> because I'm extremely competitive as well. But <laughs> I will say, though, I'm not doing everything that I need to be doing because, you know, I woke up this morning thinking and I, I know that my stress levels are high because I'm not able to sleep and my, and, and my stress levels are high because of work and other things, right? It's not just work, it's work plus these kids are here, mm. plus I can't leave the house, mm. plus, you know, all these other things. I gotta worry about, <laughs> I gotta worry about my family doing things that I feel like they shouldn't be doing, but I can't say that they shouldn't be doing it because I don't want them to be upset that I judge them. You know what I mean? Like, so, so you have all this stuff rattling around in your mind but then there's still work, mm. right? And because we are home, it's yeah. very easy for somebody to put a meeting on the calendar mm. for 8 a.m. Mm. and a meeting on the calendar for 5 p.m., mm. right? And then all those meetings in the middle. Mm. So I don't, I may not eat, right? I, I kind of miss meals, which okay. sounds terrible, I know, but like even with the meditation, even if I say, oh, you know, I, I get out and I exercise, mm -hmm. there's still activities that I do that I know are detrimental to my health, mm -hmm. but I can't break away because there is no natural break, right? There, you know, when we were in the office, it was, oh, lunchtime, you know, and everybody would get up and go to lunch mm -hmm. or nobody was getting into the office at seven, except for some, right? But 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 now it's like, okay, I wake up at seven, I have to hurry up and meditate so I can, you know, maybe do some push-ups so I can get on this eight o'clock call. Wow. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that I can try and do a little bit better. Mm. But, um, but today has, this week actually has been a little tough. And then, you know, with all of the stress of, of um, I don't know, you, actually, I've been reading. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> actually, when Trump came to office, right, mm -hmm. when he was preparing to go into office, I was reading this book called In the Garden of Beasts. Mm -hmm. And it's about an American family in Germany while the Nazis were coming to power. They were ambassadors or something. Right. And they were talking about the normalization, like it was normal. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't have all this internet and stuff. We consume too much information, but at the same time, we're not using the information to make better decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think that causes some people stress, me specifically, right? If I'm reading this book and I'm seeing it play out, mm 
Yeah. So now I've been, re you know, I just finished cast. Uh, we're getting ready to celebrate MLK. Mm. Um, I'm, and I mentioned this in, in another media outlet, but I, I also have been reading this history of Cuba. Mm. And if you put all of that together, it says, we cannot be confident yet that our democracy is still intact because we talk about Trump as if he is the sole individual, but it's not him, it's my neighbor. Mm -hmm. right. right. And so I had to, <laughs> <laughs> with a little too much information. I, I took the Black Lives Matter sign out of the front of our yard right. because I was concerned about what it represents, right? If somebody's riding around looking for a house to attack, right. I have a, a flag, a, 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 you know, a, a light on that says, come attack my house. Right, it's a target, yeah. So like now I'm feeling unsafe in my home yeah. because because of a statement that, you know a statement of affirmation you know what I mean like so now I'm fearful which is also disrupting my sleep so even though there's a work component right mm -hmm. it's all these other things that are keeping me from from being able to be calm because uh, it's all happening in the same space time and area right like the kids are going to school right around you're going to work and you know the wife is working in the same area as you are like it's all happening your personal life your professional life the kids it's all happening in the same area and there's like no compartmentalization it's really interesting like um just I mean I don't know if you have children Michael but I I don't and I'm single and I I just have my dog and and just like being an epidemic or sorry being through this pan pandemic in um, quarantine you know I'm lucky that I'm an introvert <laughs> because I don't know how an extrovert would be able to have a single you know, be just be in the house by themselves all the time. You know, I, I happen to enjoy the alone time. Um, but I do empathize really with uh, other singles that are extroverted. And I, I definitely empathize with um, parents having to school their children at home. That's definitely not something y'all signed up for. So I empathize, <laughs> really, I do. Um, and I feel so bad for the kids too, because they go to school to socialize. They don't go to school to learn. Of course, that's what they're there for. But like the part that makes it worth it is being with their friends, being able to have some fun and um it's all added it's all that tension all pent up in one space and it has to be some type of outlet some way somehow and um, I'm, I'm interested to see how it's been just sheltering in place with with your families so th that's one thing that i would say is that i believe this is my opinion here that we just lost what it really means to be human and because we've lost this idea of what it means to be human, that opens up how we treat people. That opens up to us not not being able to respect people, right? Um, that opens up to me not thinking as, you know, this opens up to me not having to think about the golden rule because I'm not looking as individuals, as, as people, but more so I'm looking at them as products. I'm looking at people as less than, or I'm looking at people 
as um you know they're not you know a part of me or next to me or what have you and then that di dictates how we believe people should act and process information because now we're not looking them as as someone who's human but now we're looking at someone who doesn't have any type of emotions or therefore we shouldn't care about how this person feels and i bring that up because this pandemic has significantly opened up where the faults are in our society, where the limitations are in our society, what needs to be changed in our society, and how people are coping and processing this new normal is different now. I mean, just think about it, how many times we're now talking about COVID, right? Now we're talking about the mutated COVID that came, that started here in Texas, if I remember, if I, you know, if I'm saying that correctly, you know, the first one was here in Texas. Um, now, who knows what 2021 is going to look like? And I saw somewhere on social where they said, oh, you know, 2021 is 2020 2.0, right? Mm -hmm. So if that's the mindset that people are, are going with, but yet we still have to work, right? And right. we're not a democracy. You know, we are a capitalist society. So because we are a capitalist society, that's what tends to have moments where Donald is now working and skips his meal, right? And I'm in the same situation, Donald. There's times where I'm working and I don't even take a, a moment to stop and go do what the body needs because I'm here trying to continue moving with society, but not take care of myself. And I know that that has had a negative effect on me that can have a negative effect on, on my wife and our relationship because now I'm not at 100. And because I'm not at 100 when I engage with her, who knows? I may pop off just because, right? It has nothing to do with her, but I'm on edge because either I didn't get enough sleep, I'm not eating, I'm not right. working now, right? I, I didn't do what I needed to do because COVID has taken over everything. And COVID is just one thing, right? There's still so many injustices when we think about there's individuals who are being treated one way because of the, of the color of their skin or how much money they have in the bank or who's in their network, right? There's so many other injustices that are going on. And COVID is just the one that we're focusing on right now because it's, it's still here. We're still dealing with it. It's not going anywhere. And to be fully transparent, I found out this morning that my dad has COVID. So here it is, you know, my dad was hospitalized, hospitalized on Wednesday um, mm -hmm. for a pneumonia. So, you know, I was like, oh, you know, definitely sad. And I hate, hate you know, talk to my dad and talk to the family. But then this morning when he was upgraded to COVID, it's like, you know, wow, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, okay, time, I, I can't even work right now because my whole mind went down a whole rabbit hole, a bunch of, a whole bunch of other things. And I mm -hmm. needed to take a step away to make sure I was good in order to, to continue operating at the level I wanted to be operating at. So not to, <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad and I'm, my, I, I really, I really, um, my heart goes out to you and I hope he makes a speedy recovery. It's, it's so um, varied, the, the, the outcomes and um, I, you know, my, my dad actually, I lost him in 2020, April um, to COVID and, you know, he's from, he was in Jersey, big epicenter as, as I think Texas is now too. And it's, um, it really does disrupt everything. Like it just, it's completely a record scratch on your, your brain, your, your way of functioning. You, you, it's like you lost your place in the book and you forgot completely like where you were. Um, it's completely disruptive and coming back to a new norm um, 
it just brings it to another level. Like you have to do it on a global level and then you have to do it on a, even uh, a, a social level and then a micro level within yourself and like to another degree because you have to um, cope with, with this new reality and something that's impacted you really, really uh, closely. Um, can I ask you, like, have you, have you encountered people that just like, of course you hear it online and, you know, you read about it, but like face-to-face, have you come across any COVID deniers? Face-to-face COVID deniers. Um, I would say, I'm going to say not necessarily because I haven't been engaging with individuals face-to-face like that at all. Uh, but what I, what I would say is that I know when I go out and about, when I'm, you know, either going to a grocery store or am I just picking up food, you know, from, from takeout or what have you, I see how people are acting. Yeah. <laughs> people are acting as if this pandemic is over, right? People are acting as if, you know, they are, completely immune or don't believe what's going on in our society man i remember when i was i'm in line and we were this when we were driving up we were, we were driving up to um we were driving, driving to dallas this first for thanksgiving we we're driving up to dallas to spend friendsgiving with, with a friend of ours and as we we're driving up there we made a pit stop at the store uh to, to no, i think it was a gas station we just went inside uh, to get something and they had you no know, please respect you know six feet you know standing back and there are people just like right behind me and that really irritated me because you're supposed to be respecting six feet you clearly see me, you know, doing my part to stand far enough in the person in front of me. So why do you feel like you should disobey all the signs around you that are telling you to, to stand back, but yet yeah. you want to be close to me as if there's nothing going on. So because of moments like that, I know there are definitely deniers out there who either don't believe COVID is real or don't believe that they, they can catch COVID and as if this is something that's not going to happen. It's really, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, Donald and I were just talking the other day about an old colleague of ours who's, who's just afraid to leave her house. Um, she, she, she said these words to me. She said, Jen, if I catch this thing, I'm not surviving. And the, just imagine being afraid to leave your house and from fear of people not doing what they need to do to prevent the spread. You know, it's not like you're controlling your, you know, it's other people's actions. You know, it's not even like you're, it's not through your own precautions. You know, if you wanted to go get your mail, you have to (laughs) be uh, beholden to people doing what they need to do to be wearing masks so you don't contract this thing. And um, that really broke my heart to hear her say that to like be honestly a prisoner in our own home because people aren't doing the right thing and um that just I don't know that's just really that that's that's a really sad thing to to really kind of deal with especially if it's been if you've been touched by COVID uh it it's it really uh it's like a big gaslighting. <laughs> it's like a big gaslighting. It's like, clearly this is like, I know the truth, but you're clearly gaslighting me. And it's like, it's a bit, it's, um, it's so bizarre. For it's sure. bizarre. 
Yeah. And as I as I think through, you know, the the pandemic and what transpired in 2020, then I, of course I gotta just think about racism and, and systematic racism that's going on in our society and still going on today. And here it is, you know, as I as I seen and watch more and more um, individuals from the global majority, whether they were black or Hispanic, um, getting you know killed by by police officers um, and not getting the justice that they deserve then now there are definitely moments where I'm like, now I'm second guessing my actions, right? Do I really want to go drive to the store or drive to go pick up something at, eight, at, at whatever time at night, right? Do I want to be by myself? Let, let me be Let me be with my wife, right? Just because I know if I'm with my wife, that's like less likely something's going to happen to me versus right. me being by myself. So right. now because of all of these injustices that are going around the world, here it is, I have to you know, just process or I guess kind of rethink what my actions are going to be and right now with my dad being inside you know the hospital the question is is that doctor really taking care of him right you know he's, he's a black male so so is that doctor doing what they're supposed to be doing for my dad or it, it, or unfortunately am I going to get a phone call saying I'm sorry there was nothing we could have done which is like no there's something y'all could have done but you didn't right so now those thoughts are going through my mind just because of the in justice that I've been seeing and then therefore it now is affecting how I'm processing information you know what Michael you're completely valid though in your your um your fears um it's honestly it's it's what um in full disclosure um my father died on April 15 2020 from COVID um he was in New Jersey I was in here I was here in Atlanta Georgia um I couldn't see him I had maybe two minute phone call, a video voice call um, from the nurse's phone uh, in his hospital bed. And then the next, that night he was gone. And the jarring, the, the how jarring it is to uh, that, that transition, uh, it's traumatic. But what also makes it traumatic is that you're right. You don't know how your, your loved one was treated. And then you see, uh, like the doctor who um, did the Facebook live post and then she passed like you see people that are are really are getting mistreated and you know I I've actually been really focused on uh, advocacy for oneself in the medical profession um, especially now during the pandemic we're all under a baseline level of stress universally um, and we have these people that we're looking to, to keep the lights on, so to speak. Doctors, nurses, um, you know, cashiers, uh, you know, um, (laughs) just people, service professionals, um, people that could basically keep, keep society running while we figure the bigger problem out. And at the end of the day, those people are people. And they don't have a limitless amount of compassion and, um, you know, uh, you get fatigued, you get, um, it, it gets overwhelming. And so I, I absolutely identify with that fear of like, is my loved one with not, without me being there by their side, holding their hand, talking to the doctors, making sure that they're getting their, what they need, making sure they're comfortable. Without that ability, there is that uh, very real 
uh, realm of possibility that they weren't given the best care that they that they could have gotten. And uh, you know that uncertainty. It's an uncertainty that's just an echo of uncertainty through so many scenarios that like for me in trying to cope with the aftermath of all of that, um, I, I, I had to go to a professional. I had to go to someone who was certified in grief, who understood trauma, who understood uh, basically all the different ways that that grief affects the body. And like one thing about grief is that people think it's just about death and it's not, it could be about anything. It could be grief over a pet that's passed, be grief over not getting a promotion, it could be grief over moving, um, a, a divorce, basically anything that you feel a sense of loss in, it's grief. And we are not taught how to grieve properly. And that's something that my, actually my therapist at the, at Sage Center in Atlanta, she, that's something that she really wants people to know um, is that uh, grief, everyone goes through it, but no one knows how to do it properly. And so we put these expectations on ourselves to be better, to feel better and not feel down. And, you know, you'll feel better in a year. And then, you know, if that doesn't happen, then there's something wrong with you. And all of those, all of that is just lies about grief. There is no timeline. There is no, there is no um, set schedule that things are supposed to operate on in grief. It's a process and it's not linear either so <laughs> it's 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 a process of healing that you really do have to commit to um uh and really pull out the pieces that resonate um for me it was just finding out about grief and just understanding like understanding that the back pain I was experiencing was related to grief I had no idea that <laughs> You know, I didn't realize I didn't make that connection of how my body was feeling in connection to my emotional experience and making that connection. It really changed things for me. And it gave me the ability to give myself grace to um, obviously, you know, you, you go through things, these things and, you know, maybe you get a week off at work for bereavement, you know and you go back to work and you're hoping that you're able to be the same you you were before you lost the person in your life or you lost this big thing in your life um and then you realize you can't it's it, you can't your your brain changes your brain in trauma in in grief it changes chemically and knowing that really um, left myself to have that grace to say, okay, this is not in my control. I'm just going to have to be along for the ride and do the work and the outcome will come when it comes. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a surrender in that process, surrendering, surrendering to that process. 
Yeah, and I and I definitely want to give my condolences, you know, to you and your family and your loss because I know that was not in the cards, that was not on the agenda, and I know how how that could have impacted you. Hence, why you had to go and see additional advice and support and resources. And as I think through, what is potential? What are what are some potential opportunities for for grief to happen right now? The thing that comes to mind for me is the fact that we are still pushing individuals to be in person in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So whether that's the school, right, mm-hmm. and children going back to the, to the to the schools in some way, shape, or form, or people going back to work, depending on what you work, I think those are just moments that are just setting up for a potential disaster to happen, right? For something to create more grief for individuals down the line. And because we do not know how to process grief, nor communicate or seek advice, here it is now that just another another challenge that that can be prevented if we want it to be. But that goes that that goes back to, you know, are we doing the necessary things that we need to do on our side in order for that to really happen? Right. Right. Um, I'll jump in. Uh, one thing I'm sorry to hear, Michael, that your father has COVID and uh, and, you know, of course, praying for a speedy recovery. And I would say as a function of this conversation, right, um, I had a friend. So speaking of grief and then speaking about how we try to consider loss, right? There's also a thing of, um, uh, what is it when you are, it's not expectational. What's another word for something you're expecting? Mm -hmm. Anticipatory, that's what it is. Mm. Anticipatory grief is also a thing. So I would just say, Michael, right? Knowing what we know, given all the potential outcomes, right? Your mind is probably cycling through that and trying to, you know, focus on the best positive outcome. Mm -hmm. But I would recommend uh, starting to talk with someone now, at least consider if you don't know what, if you haven't done any research on anticipatory grief, just do a little bit of research on it because nothing has to happen yet for you to start the grieving process. And as Jennifer mentioned, grieving changes our chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, right, yeah, to your point, I think it came up, maybe we're not eating, maybe we're not sleeping, maybe we're not exercising, then we pop off. Mm. When in reality, <clears throat> I may have snapped because I was grieving. Right. And not because I was grieving something that has happened, but because I'm grieving something that might happen, right? Right, And so with all of the distractions and with all of these things that we're seeing, plus historical injustice, right? Mm-hmm. The grieving process, and, and as Jennifer mentioned, we don't know anything about, as adults who are educated. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. As educated adults, mm-hmm. We have no clue about emotional well-being relative to how much we know about whatever random stuff we know about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's such a challenge because uh, the, you know, the idea that <clears throat> the idea of the fear that's associated with just living 
right now, Mm. right? The fear of going to the grocery store, the fear of being in the house, um, the fear of what might come next. It's, and and I I think what I heard you guys saying, and I think this is gonna be it, right? We've been talking about, and I'll bring in the children, but this actually includes us. We've been talking about the children's education. Uh, I've heard people say, you know, I think I'm going, and I was of this mindset too, but I've kind of moved past it. You know, am I going to have to hold my children back because I homeschooled them this year? Or will my children be able to get into college? Like if I, if I talk to parents of, of freshmen and sophomore, will my children be able to get into college because of this experience, right? So from a schooling perspective, it, there's this idea that this generation of students will be disrupted. Maybe, maybe not, but, but we are all grieving. Yep. This entire generation of the world yep. is, is going to experience into the future trauma that's happening right now. Right. Um, and, and we probably are not we, are, we don't have the tools to address, to address it now, nor in the future. I think, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of residual things or, or a lot of subsequent things that are gonna happen because of this moment in time that we just can't foresee right now. Um, you know, uh, we have no idea how, how, how this, how this time in our, in children's lives are going to change them, you know, um, maybe they'll be more socially awkward, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, there, there's just a whole realm of, of, spons- um, of possibilities of how, I mean, even just, you know, going out, walking my dog and, if I see someone coming up the sidewalk, it's like we give each other a wide berth. Just the way we interact with each other now, you see it. And so it's just really, I'm interested to see how, how that what the impacts are um, over time. I'm hoping they'll be good. I, I mean, I see it in, in the way we work. I mean, we should have been working remotely a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it took a pandemic to, for people to realize that we don't need to commute every day. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I do want to, uh, touch on, uh, anticipatory grief that you mentioned, Donald, and, uh, yes, that buzzword, I, I was, um, researching that and reading up on that, um, during the two weeks my dad was in the hospital and, and the thing is, is that um, it does te- it, it, with anticipatory grief. It it is this like is this Schrodinger's cat <laughs> um, it, because nothing has definitively happened. You're in this holding pattern, and you you, you can't really you you the only thing you can really do is make a bunch of different plans for the different possible, um, possible outcomes. Um, if, if you're a problem solving type of personality, um, one thing I would say is that, um, for me, uh, 
my mom's a nurse. And so we've had conversations about end of life, <laughs> those, those types of conversations from when I was younger. Um, my mom and my dad made it pretty clear they didn't want to be survived on machines. And, you know, when it was time for us, my brother and I to make that decision, that call, I just, at that point in time, I couldn't remember if my thought, like, logically, I knew there was that memory there and I knew it, but it was always because now you're on, now the decision matters. Um, What you say right now matters. And so it's that second guessing. And so it's hard. It's, it's. And Michael, I don't want to upset you because like, we don't we, we don't know which way or the other. But um, I think there's some comfort in having the plans, the contingency plans laid out for either outcome. You know, okay, when he gets home, what kind of you know uh, situation or or or, or residual um, effects would you guys be dealing with with you know having him recovered from covid um you know just a lot of different possibilities and having some sort of plan during this anticipatory period um is something that i found helpful in in coping with the day-to-day um while we while we find out figure out what will be the final outcome um but um yeah um we we're going to have to sign off here in a moment but but what i would like jennifer if you can is to share some of the books um that you've read yeah uh you know and and maybe other potential resources i would say just you know for any listener in general find a way to make your way to a therapist now (laughs) That's easy to say when you have insurance and other things, right? Um, But there are are other resources out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I've been, I've been a long time uh, client in therapy. I've been going since I was 20 years old. Um, And uh, it's been life-changing completely life-changing and I don't know what what kind of person I would be without it and so I'm very very you know I very much want to end the stigma of mental health in the black community we have so much atrocity and trauma to deal with we can't possibly keep going as we are and just staying tough and taking, you know, step up, step up our lip and, you know, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and keep on going. We can't go, we can't do that to ourselves anymore. We do need to stop. We need to, you know, reconnect with our bodies, uh, reconnect with the trauma within our bodies. Um, a really fantastic book is, is, uh, called the body keeps the score. Um, that book, um, it basically, it goes into um, how trauma gets trapped at a cellular level in our bodies. And, uh, you know, when I first heard about it, I, you know, I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> just very, you know, just a cynical. Uh, but uh, I had a grief massage. Um, and what that entailed was a woman 
just giving me a traditional Swedish massage, but um, her hands will open up and, and work in the areas where my trauma was trapped. And it was transformative. Like your body feels your emotions sometimes before your brain does. Um, and so I really highly recommend The Body Keeps the Score. Um, there's also another book uh, by David Kessler. David Kessler is a psychologist who's worked with um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She's the inventor of the five uh, phases of grief. Um, and so with her in that research, he, he wrote the book Finding Meaning, which is the sixth stage of loss. And that really, really changed things for me. Um, one thing that I've been struggling with is just trying to move forward. You know, my dad was my absolute best friend, loved him dearly. He, he and I talked every week on the phone and I am not a phone person, <laughs> but we were just that close. And, uh, you know, how do I move on without him? And finding meaning uh, is really the how uh, to keep going that you do, you know, putting yourself up for serving some someone else, for for finding meaning and purpose in your life, um, whether it's service, volunteering, um, by you know advocacy, uh, that is something that I highly um, recommend for anyone that's struggling right now is to find something that's bigger than yourself to contribute to because that will definitely get you out of. Um, your slump, or if you will, and there are plenty of virtual uh, volunteering opportunities uh, that people can get involved in. Um, but another book uh, that people can can look uh, look up is the Grief Recovery Handbook. That's actually the book that I work on with my therapist. Uh, it's a actual handbook or workbook um, where you do these exercises to help you focus and process your grief, and it's really. Um, really helpful and, and, and very, uh, it guides you into really, really practical exercises to explore, explore, explore your grief in a really healthy way. Um, there's also a website and a book called Modern Loss, where it's um, really more millennials and people who uh, subscribe to a more self-development, you know, uh, personal development way of life. Um, and how they cope with loss on a day-to-day -day basis. It's uh, lots of story, personal stories. And for me, I find that really helpful when I just kind of feeling a certain way and I'm just not sure how to process it. Um, it helps to, to see how others are processing that same emotion. So I really highly recommend Modern Loss as well. And on that note, we thank you for listening and ask that you click that like button and subscribe to Culture Crawl ATX wherever you listen to your podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and heard something you can take back to your friends and family. Please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And remember, you can always find the latest episodes on culturecrawlatx.com.